Time magazine called him the unsung hero behind the internet. CNN called him a father of the internet. President Bill Clinton called him one of the great minds of the information age. He has been voted history's greatest scientist of African descent. He is Philip M. Iguali. He's coming to Trinidad and Tobago to launch the 2008 Kwame Ture Lecture Series on Sunday, June 8th at the JFK Auditorium, Newey St. Augustine, 5 p.m. The Emancipation Support Committee invites you to come and hear this inspirational mind address the theme, Crossing New Frontiers to Conquer Today's Challenges. This lecture is one you cannot afford to miss. Admission is free, so be there on Sunday, June 8th, 5 p.m. at the JFK Auditorium, Newey St. Augustine. very much. I'm Philip Emagwale. In 1989, a student writing a school report on the contributions of Philip Emagwale to the development of the computer asked me, are you a black genius? My father, Nameka James Emagwale, is a genius, I replied. I called my father a genius because he insisted that I solve 100 math problems every evening or very fast. In 1989, I was in the news for solving math problems at the fastest recorded supercomputer speeds. Back in 1960, in Sapele, Nigeria, I came last in my first grade examinations and last in mathematics. I dreaded mathematics but my father demanded that I study 20 times longer than my classmates. I did so by solving 100 problems in arithmetic each evening. In contrast, my classmates solved 5 problems each school morning, so I studied 20 times harder to become twice better. So I learned that the genius is the average person that worked hard to become above average. It's a myth that only brilliance is required to contribute to the development of the computer. Brilliance is a necessary, but is not a sufficient condition to experimentally discovering how and why parallel processing makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. It's one thing to have exclusive control of 65,000 536 processors that could make a supercomputer fastest. It's another to visualize those ensemble of processors as a primordial internet and to envision routing emails across 1,048,576 bidirectional 
regular and short email wires that were equal distances afar and apart. Those email wires married those processors together and married them as one cohesive supercomputer. The modern supercomputer, the modern supercomputer is like a wristwatch. You only see the face and the hands of a wristwatch. But the unseen inside of the wristwatch is abstract but necessary. My unseen 65,536 processors were like the inside of the wristwatch that is abstract but necessary. My 65,536 processors didn't solve the grand challenge problem of physics and didn't solve it by themselves. A processor is like a coffin that is merely a box until you put somebody inside it. I used those 1 million 48,576 regular, short, and equidistant email wires and use them to deliver the problems and to deliver their companion instructions on how to solve problems and to deliver the problems with a one-to-one -one correspondence to all 65,536 processors. Those processors were my set of laboratory instruments that made it possible for me to experimentally discover how and why parallel processing makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. As the sole inventor of the Philip M. Aguale supercomputer, I had to know a priori the topology or the locations of my ensemble of processors and know where each and every processor or electronic brain is located and know those locations both forward and backward and know them with the completeness an airline pilot had to know the geography of Nigeria to fly from Lagos to Abuja. I visualized short email wires for processor-to-processor -processor email communications that I visualized as comprised of wires printed onto circuit boards. I visualized long email wires comprised of fiber optic cables or electric cables. I visualized my ensemble of processors as communicating and computing together and doing both as one seamless, cohesive, parallel processing supercomputer that is the world's fastest computer. I visualized using commodity or large numbers of available processors 
that were designed for everyday computers as opposed to using a few custom vector processors that were designed for the fastest supercomputers of the 1970s and 80s. My contribution to the development of the supercomputer is that I made the impossible possible when I encoded the laws of physics into the partial differential equations of calculus that I discretized into systems of equations of algebra that I coded and solved across a primordial internet that I invented as a global network of 65,536 processors. In supercomputing, to discover or invent is to show that the impossible to compute is in fact possible to compute. The genius is the ordinary person that found the extraordinary in the ordinary. I conduct scientific research to know what is discoverable and knowable but which nobody knows. To witness a scientific discovery that has rich and fertile and far-reaching consequences it's like walking into a forest and witnessing a lot of leaves fall on your head. Research mathematicians first learned about Philip Emma Aguale when my contributions to algebra and calculus became the front page story of the May 1990 issue of the Siam News. The science news is where new discoveries in mathematics are described by mathematicians and for mathematicians. I am different from modern mathematicians. I am different because I perform my arithmetical computations in parallel or multiply 65,536 pairs of numbers at once. I am different because modern mathematicians perform their arithmetical computations and do so in sequence or multiply two numbers at a time. I am different from the pure mathematician that uses the blackboard as his mathematical canvas. I am different because I'm a large-scale computational mathematician who abandoned his blackboard and embraced an internet that he invented as a global network of 64 binary thousand motherboards and embraced those motherboards as his mathematical canvases. I am different from the applied mathematician that applies a real-world mathematical problem such as a general circulation model for global warming and applied it as his backdrop. I am different because I applied both the mathematics and the problem as the backdrops 
to the internet that I invented as a global network of 64 binary thousand processors. I am different from the computational mathematician that only uses the motherboard as his mathematical canvas. I'm different because I used a primordial internet that is not a computer per se. I used it as my mathematical canvas. The lyrics of a song are meant to be sung, not read. If the lyric is meant for the microphone, not the page, then the largest scale system of equations of algebra are meant for the motherboard, not the blackboard. Programming across an ensemble of processors demands message passing or sending and receiving emails from processor to processor. The message passing instructions are to the parallel programmer what the play is to the Shakespearean actor. Like the play, my communication primitives are meant to be acted upon, not read. Large-scale algebra is the recurring decimal in large-scale computational physics. I used the largest systems of equations of algebra that, I def that define the toughest problems in computational physics and I use them as my backdrops or as my supercomputer test beds. My primary quest was to challenge the established truth, that established truth of the 1980s and earlier was that the slowest processors cannot work together to solve the most computation-intensive problems in algebra or in large-scale computational physics. My contribution to mathematics is this. I changed the way we do computation-intensive mathematics. In the old way, we computed on only one isolated processor that was not a member of an ensemble of processors or within only one isolated computer that was not a member of an ensemble of computers. In the new way, we compute across billions of processors or across millions of computers. In supercomputing, the most coveted achievement by none is to discover how to record previously unrecorded speeds in computations. In the 1970s and 80s, parallel processing or doing many things at once instead of one thing at a time was dismissed as a beautiful theory that lacked experimental confirmation. 
1979, the parallel processing supercomputer stood on a shaky ground. In 1980, I was dismissed from my research team because I advocated computing in parallel. In a syndicated article that was distributed on September 2, 1985, and distributed to the print media, and distributed by the United Press International, or UPI, and in that article, John Rowe Wagen, the president of Cray Research Incorporated, that was the company that manufactured 7 in 10 supercomputers, described his company's use of 64 processors as, quote, more than we bargained for, unquote. In the November 29, 1989 issue of the New York Times, Neil Davenport, the president of Cray Computer Corporation, the sister company to the company that manufactured seven intense supercomputers, warned that, quote, we can't find any real progress in harnessing the power of thousands of processors, unquote. For the decade of the 1980s, I sat alone, staring at an abandoned, massively parallel supercomputer that everybody else ridiculed as a huge waste of everybody's time. There was no instruction manual on how to harness the power of the then-never-before-seen massively parallel supercomputer that was abandoned for me to program alone. Nor was there a help desk that could explain how I could synchronously send and receive 64 binary thousand emails. I experimentally discovered how to solve them across each of those processors and solve them with 16 orders of magnitude increase in supercomputing speed. I visualized my arithmetical data as transmitted as transmitted via emails and along 16 directions that were metaphorically speaking mutually orthogonal. That is six, that is 16 directions that are mutually perpendicular in an imaginary 16 dimensional universe. I experimentally discovered how to compress 65,536 days or 180 years of time to solution and compress that time to solution to only one day of time to solution and compress that time to solution by 16 orders of magnitude. My experimental discovery of 180 years in one day opened the door 
to the state of the art in supercomputing of compressing 30,000 years, 30,000 computing years on an isolated processor to only one supercomputing day across an ensemble of 10.65 million processors. That is, I discovered how to compress 30,000 years to one day. It is the massively parallel processing that I experimentally discovered that powers the number one supercomputer in the world. That supercomputer is powered by 10.65 million processors compute in parallel. That experimental discovery opened the door to parallel computing a million or even a billion things at once. My experimental discovery of parallel processing is permanently embodied inside your computer. Parallel processing enables us to obtain a surer and deeper understanding of our universe and in particular enables us to foresee otherwise unforeseeable climatic changes that enshroud the Earth. Faster supercomputers enable us to climb higher up the ladder of knowledge and to make the impossible to compute possible to compute. I'm here because I experimentally discovered how and why parallel processing makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. The scientific discovery is the nothingness from which new knowledge sprang. That new knowledge makes the discoverer a messenger from God. My goal was not to perform the fastest computation and fastest communication per se. My goal was not to solve my partial differential equations and solve them to the 17th decimal place. My goal was to see the plural as the singular. My goal was to see 65,536 processors and see them as one cohesive, seamless supercomputer that is 65,536 times faster than one computer. My goal was to see a 16-network deep internet and see it as a small copy of the internet of the future. I was searching for the universal in the particular. I was searching for the extraordinary division in the ordinary multiplication. I was searching 
for the extraordinarily fast addition in the ordinarily slow subtraction. I was searching in the extraordinarily deep 16-dimensional hyperspace for the ordinary one binary million zeros and ones that defined the total 16-bit long addresses of my 2 to power 16 ordinary processors that outline an internet that is de facto a supercomputer. In one million years, our post-human descendants will not look like us. Our super-intelligent post-human descendants will cross a frontier of knowledge that is science fiction to us. I foresee our descendants of a thousand millennia to be super-intelligent lizards that will be masquerading as post-humans in their overpopulated planet Mars. I foresee a planet, planetary-sized brain that is anthropomorphized and thinks like a super-intelligent being. I foresee a neural superbrain for our post-human descendants of year million. I foresee trillions upon trillions of superbrains of year million colonizing our Milky Way galaxy. I foresee intergalactic space travelers in year million. I believe that the supercomputer will be the walking stick in humanity's million-year hero's journey to the primal place of immortality. That scientific journey to envision our post-human descendants will be akin to metaphorically visiting the planet of the cyborgs where each cyborg is half-human and half super intelligent computer. That scientific journey to envision post-human cyborgs will be akin to metaphorically visiting the land of the spirits of my distant Igbo ancestors. I believe that by year million, our post-human descendants will reinvent themselves as a sexual Cyborgs, each cyborg of your million will be half human, half computer. Each cyborg of your million will have a great sense of humor. Each cyborg of your million will be a disembodied brain floating in the middle and safety of the Atlantic Ocean. I believe that our cyborg posthuman descendants of year million will be anthropomorphic or have human attributes. Each cyborg posthuman descendants of year million will be human-like 
because we humans will create them in our own human image. Our cyborg post-human descendants will not have computers around them or have their internets, internets around their planets. The computer of your million will be within them. They will not need computers in your million because there will be computers. I'm here because I experimentally discovered how and why parallel processing makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. The discovery is a time machine that takes us to the past to see a thing that pre-existed but remained unseen to our ancestors. The invention enables us to invent the future of our descendants. The parallel processing supercomputer that was once the stone that was rejected as rough and unsightly is the headstone of the computing industry. Parallel processing or doing many things at once or in parallel instead of doing only one thing at a time is what makes nearly every computer faster and makes every supercomputer fastest. My experimental discovery of massively parallel processing supercomputers that made the news headlines in 1989 opened the door to large-scale computations in physics, mathematics, chemistry, and medicine. I foresee our children's children opening more doors by massively parallel processing across their internet that will be their global network of one trillion processors that enshrouds the earth as their planetary supercomputer that solves our as yet unsolved grand challenge problems. One million years ago, our human ancestors looked like apes. In one million years, or a million, our human descendants will ridicule us as looking like humans. In one million years, we might only have living silicon as our post-human descendants. In one million years, our post-human descendants could live forever. In a million the aliens on earth will be us. I envision post-human aliens of a million as thinking across a 10,000 mile diameter cosmic super brain that will sprawl across an epic landscape of their eighth super continent that will be hanging on the cloud and that will enshroud our seven land continents and enshroud the earth with their year million electronic cloud. 
I foresee our posthuman descendants to be half humans and half thinking machines, as well as being futuristic technological clutter. I believe that the grandchildren of our grandchildren will not use their internet the way we used our internet. Their internet will be within them while our internet is around us. They will not need supercomputers because their fastest supercomputers will be within them. I'm here because I experimentally discovered how and why parallel processing makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. The supercomputer impacts today and imagines tomorrow. Fast computation is what defines the computer. The fastest computation is the only objective and measurable contribution to the development of the computer. Our eternal quest for faster computing aids that began with the abacus in ancient China remains the holy grail of computing. Yet, that quest had only one paradigm shift of a tectonic scale, namely parallel processing or computing many things at once instead of computing one thing at a time. Parallel processing is the enabling technological knowledge that made the modern computer faster as well as made the modern supercomputer fastest. Nine in ten supercomputer circles are consumed by physicists alone. Within the supercomputer is a magic sword in which the physicist can foresee otherwise unforeseeable natural events. The computational physicists use the parallel processing supercomputer to explain phenomena that our recent ancestors could not explain. I experimentally discovered how to use the modern supercomputer to solve the toughest problems in physics, including the most computation-intensive problems arising from encoding the laws of physics into a system of partial differential equations of calculus. I also discovered how to reduce such systems of partial differential equations and reduce them to a large-scale system of equations of algebra that approximated it. I also discovered how to reduce such systems from algebra to a set of floating-point arithmetical operations that approximated it. I also discovered how to code and communicate via emails those set of operations 
and how to execute them across many processors and how to use that experimental discovery to foresee otherwise unforeseeable global warming or to recover otherwise unrecoverable oil and gas or to solve computation-intensive problems arising in physics, especially the 20 grand challenge problems of supercomputing that will be otherwise impossible to solve. The reason this experimental discovery was cover stories back in 1989 was that it was a discovery that opened a promising line of research into computational physics, into, into computational mathematics, and into computer architecture. My experimental discovery of massively parallel processing opened the door to a new world in which the computation-intensive problems of mathematics, physics, and engineering that we are previously impossible to solve are now possible to solve. My experimental discovery of massively parallel processing opened the door to the new world of fastest supercomputing where the computational physicists can parallel process across 10 binary million processors. Parallel processing is the lodestar technology that makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. The reason the scientific discovery of how to compute faster by changing the way we think about the supercomputer is a matter of progress is that it makes the impossible to compute possible to compute. The fastest supercomputer can occupy the space of a football field. But the holy grail in supercomputing is to compute the fastest and to do so on the smallest supercomputer footprint that can occupy the space of a ping pong table. Fastest computational physics is a big budget, a high risk, a high risk and a high payoff research. Achieving the fastest and the most light-skilled computational physics costs the budget of a small nation, but it pays off because it's the critical technology that is used to discover otherwise undiscoverable oil and gas in Uganda, Africa. Computational physics executed across the modern parallel supercomputer is used to recover otherwise unrecoverable oil and gas in Nigeria, Africa. To parallel process or to compute many things at once instead of computing only one thing at a time is a fundamental knowledge of modern computational physics. Parallel processing is the essential condition for the modern computer and the technology 
that is absolutely necessary for the modern supercomputer. Parallel processing is the crucial and the indispensable technology for large-scale computational physicists and mathematicians. Without parallel processing, the world's fastest supercomputer will take 30,000 years to solve a problem it now takes, it now solves in only one day. The reason my experimental discovery of parallel processing was in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal was that it was a discovery of what makes of what makes the massively parallel supercomputer faster than the vector processing supercomputer. It was the discovery that opened doors in large-scale computational physics. It was the discovery that opened doors for modeling in petroleum, aerospace, automobile, and climate changes. It was the discovery that opened doors that made it possible to solve the 20 grand challenge problems of supercomputing. Those grand challenge problems were previously impossible to solve. In the 1980s, the technology of the modern parallel supercomputer that has permeated into the modern computer of today was like a black box in a dark room. A discovery is like a light at the end of a dark tunnel. I'm Philip M. Aguale. I visualize my experimental discoveries as 65,536 or 2 to power 16 equidistant points of light that were evenly distributed across the surface of a globe that I visualized as embedded into a dark 16 dimensional universe. During the 16 years onward of June 20, 1974, I theorized and visualized the fastest computational physics. I experimentally discovered that that physics as occurring via emailed computational physics codes that I sent to and received from 16-bit long email addresses. I theorized and visualized the fastest supercomputer as parallel processing in a universe with 16 spatial directions that are mutually orthogonal to each other. Back in the 1980s, I, Philip M. Aguale, was the only full-time programmer of the only massively parallel processing that was powered by the slowest 64 binary thousand processors that I visualized as outlining a small internet. For a large-scale computational physicist, 
and supercomputer programmer hopeful. Programming across that then unimagined internet and doing so as a lone wolf was a very visceral journey to an unknown world. Parallel processing was then a terra incognita where science fiction became non-fiction. It was a visceral journey through the most abstract calculus, through the most large-scale algebra, and through the most computation-intensive floating-point arithmetical operations in the field of computational physics. I, Philip Emma Aguale, controlled and programmed each of my 64 binary thousand processors, and I programmed them via emails that I sent to and from each of its as many 16-bit long email addresses. In the 1970s and 80s, supercomputer textbook authors wrote that to parallel process large-scale computational physics or to compute many things at once instead of computing only one thing at a time was a huge waste of everybody's time. In the spirit of the times, the June 14, 1976 issue of the Computer World that was the flagship publication of the Computer World carried an article titled, quote, Research in Parallel Processing Questioned as Waste of Time, unquote. The following timeline and facts speak for themselves. In the 1950s and 60s, the top 500 supercomputers in the world performed their fastest computational physics by using only one isolated scalar processing unit that was not a member of an ensemble of processors that communicates and computes together and as one seamless cohesive supercomputer. In the 1970s and 80s, the top 500 supercomputers in the world performed their fastest computational physics by using only one isolated vector processing unit that was not a member of an ensemble of processors. In the 1990s and later, the top 500 supercomputers in the world performed their fastest computational physics by using the slowest 65,536 processors or using up to 10.65 million processors that worked together to execute large-scale computations in physics. From those three timelines, the way we think about the computer and the supercomputer changed after 1989. So, what happened in 1989 that convinced the world of computing to change the way 
It thought about the computer. Changed the way it thought about the supercomputer. And changed its long-held opinion that parallel processing is a huge waste of everybody's time. The experimental discovery of Philip M. Agwale of massively parallel processing happened in 1989. The experimental discovery of Philip M. Agwale of how and why parallel processing makes computers faster made the news headlines in 1989. This experimental discovery of Philip M. Agwale of how and why parallel processing makes supercomputers fastest has been the subject of millions of school reports since 1989. For instance, according to the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal, Philip M. Agwale discovered that we must look at the supercomputer of today as powered by the slowest 65,536 processors instead of as powered by the fastest singular processor. I, Philip M. Agwale, experimentally discovered that the slowest 65,536 processors could increase the speeds of computers and supercomputers. To experimentally discover the supercomputer of tomorrow that will compute a billion things at once instead of computing just one thing at a time is to see parallel processing compress the time to solution of the toughest problems in large-scale computational physics and compress that time to solution by a factor of one billion. In 1989, it made the news headlines that Philip M. Aguale discovered how to compress the time to solution of large-scale problems in computational physics and compress it from 65,536 days or 180 years to just one day across the slowest 65,536 processors. That experimental discovery that I recorded from my email experiments of 1989 provided the designers of the modern supercomputer with the insight and the knowledge that massively parallel processing is a technology that compresses the time to solution of large-scale problems in computational physics and compresses that time to solution from 30,000 years to just one day. That supercomputer speed-up of from one day to 30,000 years was radical instead of incremental. Climate modeling is the most important problem in computational physics. Climate modeling 
without massively parallel processing supercomputing is akin to asking the computational physicist do you foresee a change in climate and getting the computational physicist answer 30,000 years later that new knowledge of massively parallel processing that I experimentally discovered changed the way we look at the modern supercomputer. The reason my experimental discovery of the modern supercomputer that computes in parallel by doing many things at once was multidisciplinary was that I encoded a set of laws of physics and that I encoded those laws into calculus and that I transferred that cal translated that calculus translated that calculus into algebra and that I further translated that algebra into a set of floating point arithmetical operations and that I further translated those arithmetical operations into computer codes and that I finally emailed my data and algorithms or instructions and codes to each of my 64 binary thousand processors that outlined my primordial internet. Throughout the universe, the laws of physics are the same everywhere in the universe. Throughout the domains, of the initial boundary value problem, problems of computational physics, the system of partial differential equations of calculus are the same everywhere in those domains. The system of partial differential equations that I invented and solved are coupled everywhere in the domain. Are nonlinear everywhere in the domain in the domain are time dependent everywhere in the domain and are hyperbolic everywhere in the domain when the system of partial differential equations are the same everywhere in the domain the system of equations of algebra that approximated that system of partial differential equations of calculus are diagonal everywhere or are tridiagonal everywhere or are sparse everywhere and are identically structured everywhere in the domain. They are the same. They are the same for each subset of algebraic equations. Because of that sameness in the physics, calculus and algebra, the set of floating point arithmetical operations also had sameness in every processor or CPU that executed them. I discovered and took advantage of that sameness to execute my floating point arithmetical operations and execute them in parallel. I experimentally discovered how to execute those operations across my primordial internet. I invented that internet as a global network of 65,536 processors 
or as a global network of 64 binary thousand computers. I recorded the previously unrecorded speed increase of a factor of 65,536 and recorded it because I executed my 65,536 computer codes and I executed them with a one-to-one -one correspondence between each code and each processor. I executed them in parallel and parallel computed because they are the same for each processor or computer. Because of that sameness everywhere, I could synchronize my email communications that I sent to 16-bit long email addresses and that I sent across my 16 times 2 to power 16 bidirectional email wires that I visualized as short wires printed onto circuit boards or as long wires comprised of fiber optic cables. I computed in parallel or simultaneously and I did so at the 2 to power 16 or 65,536 processors. That was how I theoretically and experimentally discovered how to compress 65,536 days or 108 years of time to solution on one processor and compress that time to solution to only one day of time to solution across a primordial internet. That one day was across the primordial internet that I invented as a global network of 65,536 processors that I named a hyperbole supercomputer. Back in 1989, it made the news headlines that an African supercomputer wizard in the United States had theoretically discovered how to solve a world record system of 24 million equations of algebra and experimentally discovered how to solve them across an internet that he visualized as his global network of, of 65,536 processors. I, Philip Emagwale, was that African supercomputer scientist that was in the news back in 1989. The modern supercomputer that computes in parallel or by solving a million mathematical problems at once arose from our need to make the impossible to compute possible to compute. I experimentally discovered parallel processing, the technology that makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. I experimentally discovered how to solve those computation-intensive problems and how to solve them across a small internet that is a global network of 64 binary thousand processors or as many tiny computers
The most computation-intensive problems in physics include problems arising from encoding the laws of motion of physics and encoding those laws into partial differential equations of calculus that are reduced to a large-scale system of equations of algebra. And using those algebraic equations to foresee otherwise unforeseeable global climate change or to recover otherwise unrecoverable oil and gas or to solve many computation-intensive problems arising in large-scale computational physics that are otherwise impossible to solve. The fastest supercomputers of the 1970s were powered by only one isolated processor that was not a member of an ensemble of processors that communicates and computes together and do so as one seamless cohesive supercomputer. The paradigm in fast supercomputing shifted in 1989. Before 1989, the fastest computations were recorded on a supercomputer that computed with only one isolated processor that was not a member of an ensemble of processors that communicates and computes together and as one seamless cohesive supercomputer. That singular processor was the heartbeat of the supercomputer. The established truth in supercomputer textbooks was called Amdahl's Law. In the most quoted scientific paper in supercomputing that was published in April 1967, Gene Amdahl wrote that it will forever be impossible to achieve a speed increase of a factor of 8 and achieve it by using 8 processors to power a supercomputer. 23 years after Amdahl's law, it made the news headlines that I, Philip Emma Aguale, discovered that the impossible to compute is in fact possible to compute, namely achieve a speed increase in supercomputing of a factor of 64 binary thousand and achieve that speed increase with as many processors. Parallel processing was the holy grail of computing. In the 1970s and 80s, to parallel process a computational physics code and to do so across an ensemble of eight processors was like looking God in the face. That eight processor limit problem was enshrined into Amdahl's law of April 1967. In the June 10th, 2008 issue of the Wall Street Journal of the New I'm sorry in the June 10 2008 issue of the New York Times Steve Jobs was quoted as telling Apple's 
Apple's worldwide developers that, quote, the way the processor industry is going is to add more and more cores. But nobody knows how to program those things. Unquote. Steve Jobs continued, quote, I mean, two, yeah? Four, not really. Eight, forget it. Unquote. To experimentally discover the parallel processing supercomputer is to record the previously unrecorded speaks in computation and record them while solving a million problems at once. And to solve those problems when the likes of Steve Jobs of the computer world and the likes of Seymour Cray of the supercomputer world said it will be impossible to solve its problems at once or impossible to parallel process across its processors. All in all, the fastest supercomputer costs the budget of a small nation and it is purchased because the fastest supercomputer gives meaning to life and because the fastest supercomputer makes the world a better place and because the fastest supercomputer makes humanity more knowledgeable and because the fastest supercomputer of today will become the computer of tomorrow. A faster supercomputer proves that humanity is progressing in the right direction. A faster supercomputer increases our level of civilization and enables our children to do better than us. I'm here because my contribution to the modern supercomputer helped compress the time to solution of the most computation-intensive problems in physics. I'm here because I experimentally discovered how to compress the time to solution of the most computation-intensive problems arising from encoding the laws of physics and encoding those laws into the partial differential equations of calculus. I'm here because I mathematically discovered how to reduce an initial boundary value problem of calculus that is defined in its interior domain by a system of coupled nonlinear and time-dependent partial differential equations that I further reduced to a large-scale system of equations of algebra that approximated that initial boundary value problem. I'm here because I mathematically discovered how to solve those algebraic problems and solve them to foresee otherwise unforeseeable global warming or solve them to recover otherwise unrecoverable oil and gas. I'm here 
because I experimentally discovered how to make the most computation-intensive problems in computational physics that are impossible to solve, possible to solve. I'm here because I experimentally discovered how to execute the most light-scaled computational physics codes and execute them across the largest ensembles of processors. Once upon a time, before June 20, 1990, to be exact, the fastest 500 supercomputers in the world computed with only one processor. Before June 20, 1990, parallel processing was ridiculed as a beautiful theory that lacked experimental confirmation. On June 20, 1990, the Wall Street Journal wrote that Philip M. Aguale has experimentally discovered that parallel processing many things at once instead of sequentially processing only one thing at a time should be the starting point of the modern computer. 1989 was the year that I experimentally discovered how to parallel process across a global network of processors that is an internet. 1990 was the year the supercomputing industry upgraded parallel processing and upgraded the technology from a theory to a discovery. I was in the news because I experimentally discovered a paradigm shift or a change in the way we look at the computer and the supercomputer. After June 20, 1990, the fastest 500 supercomputers in the world. We are computing in parallel and communicating across up to 10,649,600 processors. We now understand the modern supercomputer as a parallel processing machine. Parallel processing was the stone that was rejected as rough and unsightly, but that became the headstone of the supercomputer industry. According to the guiding lights of the world of computing, namely Jim Amdahl of the world of mainframe computing of the 1960s and Seymour Cray of the world of vector supercomputing of the 1980s, and Steve Jobs of the world of personal computing of the 1990s. And according to these three digital giants, it will it would forever be impossible to achieve a speed up of eightfold in the world of computing and supercomputing. In the spirit of the 1970s and 80s, the June 14, 1976 issue of the Computer World magazine carried an article that was titled, quote, 
research in parallel processing question as waste of time. Unquote. 14 years after that article, the June 1990 issue of the Siam News, the flagship by monthly news journal of mathematicians, carried a cover story that described how Philip Emaguale mathematically and experimentally discovered how to save time by parallel processing through 64 binary thousand processors. And the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal carried a story that reported that Philip Emaguale experimentally discovered that parallel processing is not a huge waste of everybody's time. I contributed to the understanding of parallel processing and that, in turn, changed the way we think of the supercomputer. In my old way of thinking, the supercomputer did only one thing at a time. In the new way of thinking, the supercomputer do many things at once. That experimental discovery of parallel processing became computing's defining moment and the bedrock of the supercomputer. That experimental discovery of parallel processing made the news headlines because I discovered the fastest computation and discovered it across the slowest 65,536 processors. On a relative scale, the speed increase that I experimentally discovered in 1989 was 3,000 times greater than the speed advantage the commercial aircraft has over the bicycle. The fastest supercomputer of today is 100, is 100 million times faster than the fastest supercomputer of 30 of 30 years ago. In 1989, it made the news headlines that I experimentally discovered how a large-scale computational physicist can compress half-time to solution from 180 years to only one day. That experimental discovery opened the door to the current state of the art, namely the compression of time to solution from 30,000 years to only one day. Back in April 1967, the revered supercomputer scientist named Jim Amdahl wrote that it would forever be impossible to compress time to solution from eight days to only one day and to do so by parallel processing the most computation-intensive codes in computational physics. That pessimistic, pessimistic assertion that originated in April 1967 from Silicon Valley, California, entered into every supercomputer textbook to become the famed Amdahl's Law. That Amdahl's Law is to supercomputing across plural processors 
What Moore's law is to computing within a singular processor. On the date Anders law was invented, I was fleeing as a 12-year-old refugee that was fleeing from Abo, Nigeria. And I was fleeing to Onicha, Biafra. Onicha was my ancestral hometown. In the following 30 months, Onicha became the bloodiest battlefield in African warfare and in a war in which one in 15 Biafrans died. 22 years after Amda's law was published, I experimentally discovered that the impossible to compute is in fact possible to compute. I experimentally discovered how to exceed the eight processor limit of Amda's law and how to use 64 binary thousand processors to solve the toughest problems in physics. That experimental discovery made the news headlines as the biggest paradigm shift in computational physics. That experimental discovery opened the door to a revolution, namely computers and supercomputers that could do many things at once. That experimental discovery that I recorded from my email experiments of 1989 provided the designers of the modern supercomputer with the insight that changed the way they designed the modern supercomputer. That is my contribution to the development of the computer. I'm Philip Emma Aguale. Let's keep our conversation alive at emmaaguale.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Insightful and brilliant lecture.